Coming up on Tech Thing, did your router just get hacked? Better photography on your phone, Maker Fair reports so many shiny things, our favorite BitTorrent client and more, all coming up next on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you, and thank you so much for making it happen. Hey y'all, I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm uh, Patrick Norton. <laughs> and this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so this is a crazy <laughs> story. If you have a router at home, and you probably do, pay attention to this one, because it's probably vulnerable to a buffer overflow flaw in oh, K-Code's no. NetUSB. So if you haven't heard of this, it's a Linux code that lets you connect hard drives or printers to your router, which is you know, pretty common, and it's used by a really long list of vendors, including D-Link and Netgear and TP-Link and TrendNet and probably like a dozen other ones. Yeah. Yeah, so you care because it could allow naughty people, all those naughty bits out there, to execute code on your router, which is never a really good thing, especially if it's from external people. Yeah, like, I don't it's know. It's scary. Who know, I mean, we don't know what kind of code they could execute, but imagine, say, your router just just whining in the distance all the time because maybe somebody's <laughs> figured out a way to sort of, you know, divide Bitcoin mining across several million exposed router. Um, how, how do we fix it? Okay, so the fix varies a lot. First thing is to check for a firmware update. TP-Link is working... Uh, or has patches for many of their products. A lot of vendors, however, will not bother on older routers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can try it, and it's, it's kind of funny. You know, there's, there's a good, uh, the vulnerability notes database up at CERT, uh, kb.cert.org. We'll have a link to this in the show notes. Um, you know, it's kind of the classic. You can try to shut down USB sharing. Um, you can try to block port 2000 or 20,005 or 20005 on the local network. That's the actual port used by NetUSB. The idea is that the nefarious code trying to attack your router will be blocked because the port right. is shut. Unless you're on a affected Netgear router, because apparently they told the security researcher, Stefan Weback, that there is no workaround available. The TCP port can't be firewalled, nor is there a way to disable the service on their devices. Ha ha ha! Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny that the, well, the article, so it's the Consult Vulnerability Lab Security Advisory uh, that originally came out um, from the SEC Consult Vulnerability Lab. And it's kind of crazy. When you look at, um, so it's like TP-Link, Netgear, D-Link routers, mm -hmm. at least one router from D-Link, TrendNet, Zizel, and then, oh, look. Um, Jeez, that's a long list. Pretty much everybody else that's, you know, not everyone, but a staggering list of, uh, of vendors in there. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I guess you could always go open source, though. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it's probably a really good time to start looking at open source firmware for your router and or a new router. Uh, Gargoyle is one of our favorite uh, non-factory, manufactured, trustworthy router operating systems. We should available. do one of those. We have. It's been a while. Well, yeah, it's been a while, maybe dude. It was on this is a new show, yo. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, Spotify just dropped this really awesome announcement. The streaming audio service now does video and podcasts. They have a running mode that matches every song to your tempo and evolves custom playlists for you throughout the day. So I think you want to listen to something in particular when you're going home from your commute. Probably Black Flag. Um, <laughs> video partners include the BBC, ESPN, Comedy Central, Vice News, and the Nerdist. And I see our 
friends up at Twit were uh, kind of one of the featured partners in the That's announcement. Cool. So I'm hoping we can get our videos up there too. And yes, by the way, for those of you who have asked, we are working on a Roku client. Yay! And rumor has it there are developments on the um, TiVo front that may make podcasts available on TiVo again through oh. a third partner, but I'm not holding my breath at the moment. Kevin on Facebook asks, what point-and-shoot camera would you recommend to replace a Nikon S8200? Hmm, thank you, Kevin. That's a really good question. So the Coolpix <laughs> S8200 came out back in 2012, had 14 times optical zoom, 16 megapixels, which mm -hmm. is quite a few. It's an excellent point-and-shoot camera, but there were apparently some autofocus uh, It was problems. considered slow. Yeah, it was considered kind of slow back three years, three years ago. ago. <laughs> so a 14 times zoom also makes it called a mega-zoom camera. So I'm not sure which features specifically are most important to you, so I just decided to go through a couple that are, you know, some really good options for you since you want to upgrade. Cameras that Shannon likes. Yay! So if you feel like upgrading to a pricey one that gives you a lot of different useful specs but it's much smaller than a DSLR the Panasonic that company makes some really really sweet ones for example there's one called the Lumix LX100 uh, this one is $800 so it is a little pricey but it's really awesome the lens has a decent zoom and it's in 12.8 megapixel camera so fewer megapixels yeah but you also get this 24 to 75 millimeter Leica DC lens yeah. which means you also have an aperture of F F 1.7 all the way up to 2.8. Let's do that's, some that's indoor photography. Well, yeah, I mean, that's 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 like if you want to take pictures, you know, in a room at night without yeah. turning every light in the house on. That's a good thing. <laughs> you also get RAWs, of course, and uh, they do have this interesting feature, which is 30p, 30p 4K HD video. <laughs> so better than full HD, which is nice in the newer cameras that you see nowadays. Now, if nighttime photos and megapixels are more important to you, a great buy is the Sony camera. This one is called the DSC-RX100. This is actually my daytime camera. I use this all the time. Uh, this thing has 20 megapixels. It's a 3.6 times optical zoom, so not a lot of zoom that you're going to get out of this. But it's, it's okay. Yeah, if you don't use it a lot, you don't really need it. Full HD video. Uh, again, this is my everyday camera. Mm -hmm. They do make some really great sensors for indoor photography, yeah. especially used by Apple and Samsung. Yeah, surprisingly. Like, yeah, I mean, there's, my understanding is there's source and sensors for Apple. There's source and sensors for some of the Samsung cameras, although there's a dual source in at least one of those right. phones. Um, the A7 is a ridiculous. A friend of mine took a portrait of himself in a dark room, only using the light of his phone to wow. light himself. Like it's super. Sony does amazing uh, sensors. Yes, uh, they do. For photography. I'm just and saying. last off, I also wanted to mention uh, Panasonic again. If zoom is most important to you, the Panasonic ZS40, you might want to take a look at that one. It's currently on sale for $380, but you can find it around $450 normally. Mm -hmm. It has a 30 times optical zoom. So, by the way, if you're doing 30 times <laughs> optical zoom and you're getting like three inches, you know, 30 feet away or whatever it might be, <laughs> you're probably going to want a tripod. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you, you can't, yeah, if you're, if you're thinking like, I'm going to be soccer dad and I've got the 30x zoom. There's going to be this blur of color, <laughs> yeah. mostly green, and a little bit of uniform. If you're trying to do like the, the, the focus racked all the way out, you need a tripod yeah. for a mega zoom camera. Pretty and much all of them. It is 18 megapixels, so you know, really good megapixel size quality there. But mm -hmm. it does have a smaller aperture, I noticed too, which means less light. So it does take full HD video so it's as an well. Camera. Yeah, <laughs> it's an outdoor camera, pretty much. Uh, also, I did want to mention I'm not going to bring up a whole list of 
cameras for mm -hmm. these, but the Lumix G line from Panasonic. If you're feeling like you want to get into interchangeable lenses, these Micro Four Thirds ones are really great. I have the old uh, GF2, I believe this is. Excellent camera, so highly suggest these as well uh, because they're interchangeable. How fun. Yeah, we're actually going to see if you have some camera questions because there's so many different options. I think we figured out there was like 11 camera categories up at CNET <laughs> yeah. now. Um, yeah, so CNET has a list here, all top cameras for 2015. They have best digital, best budget, compact, interchangeable, SLR, so all sorts down there. Um, I think we should get somebody on the show to talk, talk about these. We're going to see if we can get Lori Gruden, uh, my friend over at CNET, one of my former bosses from back in the day when I worked at magazines, see if we can get her on. So if you have some questions about cameras, you got something to say about your pick for a camera upgrade or anything else, do us a favor, post up on facebook.com slash techthing or email ask at techthing.com. Right now, I'm going to ask a question. What's going on over at Hack5, Darren? Thanks, guys. We have an epic show on Hack5 this week, and it involves not just Maker Fair, but also some epic stuff coming out of NASA Armstrong Research Facility. I got to go down and check out the future of aviation. I'm talking electric planes with ridiculously crazy airfoils, lots of little motors. You can learn all about it over on Hack5 and see some more goodies from Shannon, her picks from Maker Fair. Check it out this week, hack5.org. It is now time for a rapid fire round where we give you three answers as quick as we can. And this week, let's talk all about some ways to make your smartphone photography even more awesomer. Are you ready? Yes. Let's go. All right, if you're a hardcore, <laughs> hardcore, hardcore, hardcore photo geek, or you want to be one, downloading an app like uh, VSCO or Visco Cam will give you a crazy amount of control over the camera in your iOS or Android phone. It looks really simple, but it's kind of really sophisticated, all of the settings you can tweak inside of that. Now, for mere mortals like myself, just start backing up your photos online. Dropbox, Google Photos, tons of others will automatically back up your photos. And what you're looking at right here is uh, Google's new photo app. Check this out. Um, Saturday Night in Petrolia, Google's um, Photos Stories. Uh, it will knit collections of your photos together into a really cool online story. So look at this. It's got data about where Darren and the Hack 5 crew traveled on their trip. And then it knits together photos in order and Aww. actually creates a, a story that you can work through and be like, okay, we went from here to here. And then these are the pictures. It's just super, Very super cool. awesome. And look, there's even sort of animated stuff going on there. I like it a lot. It's a really, really neat tool. Now, number two, lenses. Um, an external lens can give you a lot of potential awesome to experiment with. This one I'm holding here from Olaclip, the 401 for the iPhone 6. Just really cool. Um, in this case, it's actually got a fisheye and a <laughs> wide angle lens. I'm laughing because I want to say telephoto, but this is actually isn't one of the telephoto lens options they have. But it's, it's really cool. Let me pull it down here. It slides over the top of your camera. And then if you want to do macro, you pull the lens off and there's a macro lens underneath both the wide angle and the fisheye lens. And if you take a look at the photos that are coming out of this, so this is a shot of a printed circuit board and if I slide, look at that. That is what it looks like with the macro lens on there. Normally you would probably use these for nature photography, but you know, I'm me. This is a standard shot with the lens inside the iPhone 6 and coming up you will see a, well, there's the fisheye lens, and then if we get the macro lens, look for this little spot right here when the macro lens comes up. This is the 15X macro. It's pretty crazy. Um, it gets that close. That's cool. Yeah, I was, I was literally like probably three quarters of an inch or an inch from the... Um, 
I like all Eclipse. They do some very, really very cool good. stuff. Um, there's also a company I love. They have a great attitude. They're really fun to follow on Twitter. Photojojo.com. They always have some amazing stuff to play with. They have their <laughs> own collection of lenses that'll pretty much work on any phone and a whole bunch of really cool photography stuff. You know, it's like fisheye, super fisheye, telephoto, polarized. Um, and they use a really simple system that allows you to attach it to just about any camera, which is so smart. That's cool. Um, yeah, uh, I like it. Uh, if the camera in your phone sucks, and you don't want to deal with like sticking lenses on your phone, you could just upgrade to an iPhone 6 or a Galaxy S6, but that's kind of pricey if you're otherwise happy with your current phone. If you're wondering if there's a better way, there is. Start carrying a discrete or standalone camera again. DSLR, mirrorless, you know, a point-and-shoot pocket camera. Uh, even the most compact digital camera will probably give you a better sensor, lens, and processing, especially yes. if you have an older phone. Um, and I don't want to pick on Android, but older Android phone cameras are particularly horrible. So um, were iPhones. Not as horrible. <laughs> in, in, in any case, I don't, want to, I don't want to argue that point right now. Okay. But it might be time to consider carrying a camera again. Mm -hmm. Got some picks or some tips for us. Do us a favor. Tweet at TechThing. We'll be looking for it. Hey, by the way, if you're uh, constantly finding yourself in need of a lightning cable for your iPhone 6 or 6 Plus, this is LabSea's The Cable Case. It's 25 bucks on Amazon. It's a big puffy wraparound case um, that your phone der, goes into because it's a case, right? Where else would your phone go? But what's kind of cool about this one is not only is it a big puffy wraparound case with decent protection, but they actually built an iPhone lightning cable into it. Wow. So anywhere you go, you have a lightning cable. Um, it's not the most you know, flexible lightning cable. It bends great this way. Let me see if I can get it. There we go. It bends fine this way, not so much um, laterally, but it is with you wherever you go. Um, screen protection comes in the box. I have not applied it, and it does wrap around the edges to help prevent you from breaking the screen. <laughs> That's 25 bucks on Amazon.com. That is the LabC the cable case, or if you want to have a crazy Amazon search, and don't we all, the iPhone 6 cable and ultra protection case, which makes it sound like you're trying to prevent some sort of nuclear accident. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Even though I don't have an iPhone 6, maybe you guys do, and maybe you have a recommendation for iPhone cases for Patrick. Tweet at TechThing if you do. So many cases. If you're a fan of TechThing, do yourself a favor and do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe at TechThing.com on iTunes or YouTube.com slash TechThing. We've got RSS links. we got all the information you need to subscribe. That makes sure you get each and every episode. And if you want to take your support of the show to the next level, please consider contributing to the show at Patreon.com slash TechThing. Donate however much you want per episode. Every little bit counts because if all of you work together, we can actually afford to eat food, live under a roof, and keep making the show for you. And if you can't donate, that is okay. Please take the time to send us questions, tips, and to share the show with your friends and family. Give our video the thumbs up on YouTube. Write reviews on iTunes. Uh, like our Facebook page. It all helps keep the show growing and helps us keep the show going to you. Thank you so much for supporting TechThing. Time for our HostGator Disruptive Tech of the Week. And you might have guessed from last week, this week it's Maker Faire, or at least the stuff at Maker Faire that caught our attention. It's not just giant flaming robots, although those are actually really, really cool. It's kind of funny. The slideshow is 
mind-blowing because you look at this one up at the, the Maker Faire website, um, prosthetic leg art that people did 3D rendering, uh, you know, paintball cannons, but still essentially <laughs> a gigantic ride inside, you know, robots. There's quite a few of those. Yeah, there's always like Flaming Lotus Girls are always there. And it's... But you brought your kids there, right? I brought my kids there. And they love looking at the crazy steampunk stuff. Mm -hmm. But one of the things they loved, um, Lawrence Hall of Science is an incredible children's science museum here in the Bay Area. They put together the Mola Whack, which is essentially you... Well, the kids, you know, the whack-a-mole? Well, essentially, they made your kid go through a set of stations okay. where they turned cardboard and aluminum foil and wire and tape into a switch. Oh, wow. The switch got plugged into the giant whack-a-mole game, mm -hmm. and then they would try to score points pressing the switch before the whack-a-mole whacked their little <laughs> rock on the head. That's adorable. So this is the Tech Hive studio built this inside uh, the Lawrence Hall of Science, incredible children's museum. Um, but the whole idea is to get people sort of hands-on. I mean, yes. the first time I saw Greywater Recycling was at Maker Faire. They had, uh, you know, the San Mateo County and San Francisco counties have now have sort of a it's this incredible program uh, for food preservation that they were making people aware of by having That's a booth cool. and answering questions there. It's so amazing. You were seriously geeking out on some of the, the Arduino-y and, and Raspberry Pi-ish stuff. So you write about the fact that you, know, you go to Maker Faire mm -hmm. and you see all of this cool electronics yeah. that you can get kids to make. And I think that was the big thing about this year's Maker Faire. There was tons of Arduino stuff. There was tons of Raspberry Pi stuff. But I also saw, saw a lot of new hardware components that people were introducing to make it really easy to get kids excited mm -hmm. about electronic engineering. So one of the things I saw was this cool little component called the Qubit. So this is plug-and-play hardware that runs with drag-and-drop software that runs uh, Lua programming language. Lua is a programming language I've never dealt with. Mm -hmm. So I would probably be very happy to use their drag and drop software, Dragons. And then I saw this really cool device called the ProtoPallet. So ProtoPallet is building out a pallet-like PCB board with all this plug-and-play software. And they were also introducing this device called the Soil Sentry. Every component that you need is inside this case. And then you simply drop that into the ground mm. and you can study the soil out in your garden, for example. Or at least keep the plants from dying of thirst, which is a <laughs> exactly. big deal. At least keep everything from dying. Oh, droughts, no fun. <laughs> but yeah, that was the whole point of going to Maker Faire in seeing all this cool, all these cool mm -hmm. products was they are making it so much easier for, you know, me and you and our my future children one day and <laughs> your current children, your current ones, to actually go there and get really creative and get ideas for yeah. things that they can make that can actually be useful in a day-to-day -day environment. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Everything from sort of the classic, there's always a rocket launching area where you yes. turn paper and tape into air fire rockets. Um, yeah, I gotta say, it's it. You you, you kind of nailed it. You said there was less structure <laughs> about you know proving the, your geek cred and more just yeah. getting excited about making things. And they had some weird stuff there too, like these strange animals. <laughs> I was always love to a ride Burning Man and the cupcakes were there. Everybody loves a good ride-in cupcake. Oh, of course. <laughs> hey, if you go to Maker Fair and you see a new technology or you learn about three D printing, or you think, you know what? Those iFixit people, I'm going to learn how to fix stuff too. If you decide to start a business, do us a favor, host it on our sponsor's site, HostGator.com. And if you use the coupon code TECHTHING to help start your new business, you get 30% off any new hosting package. And you're going to help support the show, help us keep bringing it to you every week. We want to thank the folks at HostGator.com for their support. That's right. Viewer question. 
Hey, viewer question from Rye Rye the Fun Bun <laughs> at Odium One says at Patrick Norton. Any recommendations for a Wi-Fi extender? How convenient mm. of you to ask uh, right now. Because, Very convenient. Well, okay, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, David Murphy uh, over at the Wirecutter has been doing all of their networking stuff, I want to say for like the last year. He just spent, and I quote, 110 hours of research and going hands-on with 10 extenders, wow. which would require me to not see my children for like a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> they came up with their pick for the best Wi-Fi extender, along with some really excellent reminders. Because the Wirecutter, part of how they fund themselves is Amazon affiliate links to the products they recommend, right? Of right? But they also get really cool about giving you intelligent advice. Like if you're running an ancient router at home, you might want to upgrade it and move it to the center of the house before you start spending money on Wi-Fi yes. extenders. Now, Mr. Murphy, much like me, big fan of running Ethernet, which solves pretty much all the issues with Wi-Fi because, you know, it's not wireless. <laughs> It's pretty cool. But their pick was the Netgear EX6200, sells for 100 bucks, works AC, is pretty badass based on the testing they did. And I gotta say, there is a ton of really practical advice in the article, along with why you should probably skip the $30 extenders. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I know a couple people who have had good experiences with them. Really? Really. I don't buy Wi-Fi extenders. They just suck for me. I've had so much terrible performance. Perhaps you should try the best wire. Maybe I extender. should read the Wirecutter's article. There you have it, ladies. <laughs> and if you've never been to the Wirecutter, they do. There's a whole collection of sites where they basically do a lot of research and recommend mm -hmm. things. Um, there's good stuff up there. Cool. Wirecutter.com. Awesome. Nick sent an email to askatechthing.com. Are you guys thinking of publishing an audio version of the podcast? Oh my gosh, we're totally thinking ahead of you, man. What's up? We already do. <laughs> well, okay. Well, if you go to techthing.com yep. and you click on the page for a show, a, sh a show should pop up, and you go right here, you can download the audio-only MP3. Boom. Now, hopefully, we will have an RSS yeah. feed for the audio version up soon, and we'll have that up as soon as we finish migrating over to WordPress. Yeah, I didn't want to build it around Squarespace and then have to rebuild it around. I understand. Um, I, I get it, dude. I'm lazy. Aren't we all? <laughs> Joel emailed ask at techthing.com. Been a longtime viewer of Techzilla since 2009, currently studying computer oh. science in college. Had a few of my questions answered before on Techzilla. Just wanted to get one question I need answered into the new show. Are there <laughs> any torrent clients that you guys recommend? I'm asking not for the illegal downloading of pirated material, but the supposed benefits of faster downloads through torrents. Check out this initiative BitTorrent is promoting over at bundles.bittorrent.com. Really hope this increases interest in the little regarded and mostly hated platform. <laughs> Good luck on your Patreon from Joel. Okay. <laughs> One, thank you for your support, Joel. Two, yes. um, this is the bundles.bittorrent.com. I don't think BitTorrent's as hated as you as you might think it is. In fact, my it, dad hates it. Well, your dad just because hates I was it. downloading. Well, it's cool. Go check out the BitTorrent podcast. Um, I still love uh, MuTorrent or UTorrent, uh, which is U-T-O-R-R-E-N-T dot com. It has been taken into the BitTorrent fold. It is small. It is available on Windows and Mac and Linux. And if you want an open source alternative, you can go over to QubitTorrent, which looks like, it's kind of funny, the, the webpage looks like sort of your classic like $40 video conversion file webpage, but it's actually a free software alternative to MuTorrents. Linux, Macs, OS X, Windows, OS 2, Word, and FreeBSD. Like. So. Cool. Links in the show notes. And we got a tweet from at Chawa, and I love your names today, Chawa. <laughs> at Patrick Norton, big fan, Patrick. My question is, can I transfer my Alienware R4 desktop to a Corsair case 
or any case for that matter. Thanks. <laughs> yes. And he has a case. Well, okay, so if you have liquid cooling on your Alienware, you'll probably want to pick a case that'll handle the, the radiator and stuff, i.e. has holes in the side of the case. Uh, but as long as the case is physically big enough for your motherboard, i.e. don't buy a mini uh, ATX yeah. case or <laughs> micro ATX case for your full-size ATX motherboard, uh, and has, you know, basically they all have mounts. In this case, I can do an ATX or micro ATX motherboard in here. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited to build my own computer. Well, <gasps> fondle your own case. Leave mine alone. <laughs> well, Sorry. it's kind of funny though. You know, the, this back in the day, there used to be a lot of machines that were built with really weird custom motherboards, yes. and, and laptops are kind of like that. Most of them are the same size now. Yeah, they're pretty much all. They're, yeah. they're, they're, everybody uses a standard size motherboard because it's so much cheaper to not have to design some custom weird shaped motherboard, unless of course you're Apple and building the tower. Um, <laughs> It would be fun because to why not? Well, it, it, because aliens. Because air cooling. <laughs> I actually finally got to 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 put my hand over one of those while somebody was the, the new Mac Pro, oh, the yeah. little tubular Mac Pro, yeah, and the heat coming off of that. I wanted to put a little thing to keep a coffee cup warm. It's really I gotta say it's a really cool piece of design and engineering. It's just I'll stick really to my PCs. expensive. <laughs> I think that about wraps up this episode, but of course, remember once in a while, put down that phone, step away from the screen and close that laptop and do something analog, right, like ride your bike to work. Which ride your bike to work day was last week. I didn't ride my bike to work. You rode your I was bike to work to once? Say, yeah, once. You should ride it again. I should. It's cold outside. It's cold outside. We have these things called sweatshirts now. <laughs> or we could get, ladies and gentlemen, Let's get Shannon to flee. I'm Patrick Norton. <laughs> I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. And hats. They have fleeces oh, yeah, I have a hat. and hats. You get a beanie under your helmet and your fleece. You'll be all twisty warm. <laughs> Shannon's going to punch me in the head. Don't drop a dragon on me, Shannon. <laughs> Got a dragon drop. <laughs> Everybody watch out for the dragon drop. Boom. Arr. Hate that. <laughs> so many things we won't discuss <laughs> on camera. It takes a lot to make us do. Thank you. Each and every one of you. Look all at all the these Patreon. cooks. There are just way too many cooks in the kitchen right now. There's too many cooks. Look at all the cooks. It's been a long and slightly insane day here I'm at the Hack Warehouse. Need some more popcorn. Need some popcorn while I watch them scroll on by. Oh, Shannon and the greasy popcorn hands are back. Don't touch my laptop with your greasy popcorn.